just some of my column stuff. I was doing um, some research. So for the toys one for this month, I was at first going to do big wheels, but um, I decided to do the uh, like He-Man castle play sets instead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... Oh, dude. Those are so awesome. I was like looking up like pictures and stuff from like, you remember, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you probably would have done this too. Like if it was around, especially Christmas, you'd get like the JCPenney catalog. Heck yeah. And in the back was the Christmas toy section. Mm-hmm. I've told kids right. like like the, the like the students I teach and stuff. I go, you guys have missed out on one of the iconic, um, you know, moments as a child, and that is getting the, you know, the Toys R Us catalog, oh, yeah. Christmas catalog. That was that was oh, it. Because yeah. you know? when we talk about like the the big movement to like um, uh, like industrialization and you know um, you know retail shopping becoming popular at the turn of the century in the 1900s, the the Sears catalog was the way to go shopping catalog, if you yeah. lived out in the mid Midwest and stuff and everything. And, oh yeah, yeah. And there was no Amazon shopping list back then. No, yeah. no, yeah. And uh, you'd like circle and like bunny ear pages and do Dude, all that stuff. I would break those catalogs down <laughs> so hard like it was a pentagon briefing i knew every page <laughs> yeah, right? all the details the price point like there were some years my mom would give us like a budget and be like okay oh, you yeah. only got two hundred dollars and so i would map out different scenarios be like okay i can get this with like say two hundred dollars i can get this this and this where i can go one big toy and then you know this oh ridiculous yeah, there'd be like differently yeah like okay if this one doesn't work then i could do this oh yeah oh, because yeah. it was never awesome. a guarantee you could get that and so like you would have to right. you know tell santa you know that, oh, yeah. hey santa oh, yeah. hey, you know i want these scenarios but if, you, if your elves can't make this toy right here at this time then we'll go with this one instead and everything oh so, yeah oh yeah, it was so we, we had actually still have i was talking to my dad about the columns that i'm doing and of course he's still got them up in the attic um but we had we didn't have the like the eternal one that was like the huge huge one but we had um castle grayskull uh snake mountain with the sweet microphone thing yes um and uh my sister had the shira castle the crystal whatever palace or whatever it's called right um so we had all of those and those things are bulky but like remember you could like it was smart though because you could put all of the pieces inside and then close it up and like snap it shut it was smart because the little like the was it what was it called the uh, teenage mutant Charles the technodrone um, yes yeah. yes that was yeah. the same thing too and like the original death star yep. for star wars you could hide everything in there and that was a great way to like clean up your room you know you didn't have <laughs> yeah. to like worry about like putting everything in boxes you would just stuff it all into those <laughs> big ass toys and then even, put her off and by your bed and then you're good even if it had nothing to do with that like it might not even be no. like in star wars <laughs> you're tossing yeah, it in just the depth toss it and just jam it in there until it closes uh, that's so funny that is so true yeah so i was looking up that i was like oh this is freaking awesome so that was fun oh man <laughs> Oh, good times, and it just brought back. You just brought back so many childhood memories, right there. I mean, doing all oh, this. Oh man, seriously, because I like in the toy pages in the series. That's what it was in the series. Cat. I mean, there were tons of catalogs, right? Oh yeah, without but, um, I even remember like looking in the catalog as like the spring edition, and I asked my mom, "I'm like, well, why aren't there toys in there?" She's like, "Oh, that's only the Christmas one." So yeah, yeah man, I would scope that thing out. 
and you know they'd have like the guys section of stuff and the girls section of stuff and because i so the catalog that not only meant that the store had it but like couldn't you call the store and like tell them the item number if they had it and like put it on right. hold or something yep lay lay away lay away lay away yeah yeah that's how my mom lay away. that's how my mom was able to guess like uh, a couple power rangers lay away. Yeah, she called the, the Toys R Us store and was able to, like, hold off, like, three Power Rangers because, remember, it was, like, so hard to find them, and then people were getting into fights and stuff, so uh, she what? just got lucky. No, go ahead. No, no, just what? she got lucky and called it, yeah. What is a toy that you had that was maybe, like, the most difficult one to get? You know what I mean? Like, there, there were some toys that were just, like, super hard to find, right? So, like... Yeah. I, I so like for instance I had all the Dick Tracy characters we could never find the blank never yeah oh I and, remember that one and it's and it's one of those things there were some toys that for whatever reason there just weren't as many made and so they were super difficult to find but what was I have one that I looked for for years and I'll tell you what it is here in a second but I don't know if you have uh, any that you can think of I think the one that like I remember the most being on the hunt for was the Dragon's Lord with the Green Ranger and oh yeah. We and it was pure luck how I found it. We we ended up going to our Kmart by our house that no one ever went to, and they had like a full shelf of them. It was like a like an end display, <laughs> like on the end caps of the display section, and there was like ten of them right there. Just and I was like, it, you know, it's like the one store you just walk into and you found you know the the holy grail, and that was it. And like my mom, she was like, okay, go out to the car with your sister so she could pretend that you know she didn't get it and the santa got it and stuff and everything so but yeah that was like because uh, i remember for so long looking for it looking for it could never find it ever. and then just it not even like going searching for it looking you know we just walked into kmart oh there it is just on the, the end cap awesome. right there like nothing you know and like no no one rushing to go get it no people are walking by and everything like that. Um, yeah, that was the one I remember being on the hunt for for a longest time. And then I think the toughest one to find was the w- the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time um, for oh, Nintendo 64. Yeah. Because yeah. that came out for Christmas as well. It came and it was weird because it came out like two and a half weeks, three weeks before Christmas. And it was such a mad rush to get it for, oh, yeah. for the Christmas time. Um, and that one, like my dad and I had to go on a hunt for that one. I remember oh, like game store after game store looking for it. And it, you know, it was just a matter of just because back then, you know, game stores only got like a limited amount and then they had to wait like to the next month to get a new shipment. Right. So it was oh, just yeah. a, who, where could you find it? And I think my dad ended up finding it just on like uh, by a Walmart, by his work and stuff and just got lucky on there. Uh, oh yeah what about you so mine oh man so i had um like when x-men were in their heyday right right the cartoon was out like everything you know so the figures were had been out for a while but then became like really huge there was one that like I remember I read in Wizard. Do you remember Wizard? Like, of course. Like, oh, yeah. magazine. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and they would have different toys and stuff in there. And the one coveted one that said is predominant. It was like is predominantly on the West Coast for whatever reason, but they didn't make a ton of them. And so for whatever reason, it was mainly out there, but you could still find them randomly in other places. Was Iceman? Really? And yes, the original Iceman. He was like 
clear, like see-through, and had like this like ice, like I don't know, it looked like a big skateboard, but it was like his ice that he shoots, you know. But um, so sure enough, we were my mom and I were at Toys R Us for whatever reason. I rem- I still remember like going to the like way back of the store. And there was just like the outside aisle, all these X-Men characters. And I'm sorting through, boom, on the left-hand side. A couple, couple characters deep, found myself Iceman, the only one there. That's I crazy. Was sprinting down there. To, oh, yeah, but that, that, was, that, was, that was a tough one. Yeah, like you said, the Green Ranger, Dragon's Or. Well, because that's the thing. The difference with that toy was that the other Power Rangers came by themselves. But the Green Ranger came with the Dragon's Orb. Dragon's Orb. Yep. That was the that was the the wham and bam. Huge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You got that one, dude. Oh, I yeah. it, it reminds me when you said Iceman. So, um, uh, kind of on that that thing. Um, what was it? Gambit? I found a a Gambit action figure. Oh yeah. Of course, I take yeah. it out, play with it, and stuff like that. And come to find out, like if I kept it in the box and everything, it's you know, like I think it's like two hundred or three hundred bucks. Then to come, like it was one of the more rare ones. I never knew it, and here I am, just like playing with it and beating it up and everything and stuff. And now going to all these comic conventions and you see it, you know, out there, it's like, oops, I wish somebody had told me, you know, to, to hold on to it and stuff. But right, yeah, yeah, I remember the X Men series ones were. Oh, it was always so hard to find the the animated series costumes. You could always find the alternative, like like Wolverine. The finding the yellow and blue action figure was was a little bit harder to find than say like the the classic comic one where it was like that orange tint to it. Um, oh yeah, Cyclops. You know the where he has the. It's, I don't know if you remember, but like uh, in the comic book series, he has the. It's like his head is covered in a, in a, like his suit or whatever and so you don't see his hair but in the animated series it's only the visor and the his his red hair is flowing and stuff the jeep ray was another one was difficult to find um yeah it was that but that one you go to like uh kb toy stores or toys r us and you could just sit there and look through ship through all the the, (laughs) the toys and see which one you could find in the back and stuff Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Oh, man, KB Toys, that would be. I, I remember one that I found. Do you remember the Colossus one where, like, actually, now that I think about it, the figure itself sucked because, like, his arms were in a stationary position. Yes. Well, I remember that. He was, he, he was so big. big. Like, you could make him do cur- you could make him do curls, remember? Right. So yep. his palms were, like, facing up. But I found him at a Woolsworth. Remember Woolsworth? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, man. Woolsworth. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah. what, where was like the sketchiest place you ever found a toy or like you not necessarily went toy shopping, but you were like, you know, you, it happened to be in there and you're like, Oh, here's some toys to start looking through and you actually find some decent stuff. Dude, I, it might've been Woolsworth because That's like a uh, Woolsworth was like a, I mean, kind of like a general store, right? Mm-hmm. So like yep. it wasn't known for toys per se, but I remember being at there, I think it was the Zanesville mall with my grandma and my mom. And like randomly found him, and I want to say at a different Woolsworth, I found um, like the Ninja Turtle, like the Mousers. Remember those? They're like wind up Mousers. Yep, the Mousers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I found that. Oh, then the other one was a. My gosh, it may have been a, <laughs> may have been a Woolsworth or a five and ten. So I was at my grandparents' house and um like a small town in Ohio, like super small town. And, oh, it was a, at a Ben Franklin. 
Ben Franklin. Franklin. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know what Yeah, that. dude. Right? Which is, like, smaller than a general store, right? Yes, without a so, doubt. Okay. okay, picture for people who don't know what a Ben Franklin is. Picture almost, like, a little bit above, like, the Dollar Tree toy line. And that's kind of like what it was. You know what yep. I mean? But that's where I actually found my Rambo knife watch amulet combo. I found nice. that there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are probably some of the places, <laughs> most random places. What about you? So over by my house in Georgia, this is way back when, before uh, BP had bought an Amico. So it was an Amico gas station. So, you know, <laughs> in the mid 90s and stuff and so it was a gas station slash convenience store slash toy store so we like we would go there and it was like a little shack of a you know place and stuff like that and you know up front you go pay for your gas whatever and then you know there was like some sodas and other things but in the back this guy had just like set up shop and it was you know all these toys and everything Come to find out, like, 10 years later, so now, like, I'm in my mid-20s and 30s, the guy was a pedophile and was taping kids in the store and trying to, like, yeah, and trying, like, and not just, like, teenagers. He was trying to get with, like, you know, eight, nine-year-old kids and stuff, and finally the cops figured it all out and stuff. Oh, yeah. Had a camera in the bathroom and everything. Oh. Yep. What people will do. Wow. Did yeah. you get any good toys, though? Where's the real question? Well, it was like some Hot Wheels <laughs> stuff and everything. It wasn't the greatest selection of toys, but, you know, yeah. it, it yeah. is what it is. Uh, well, I can only imagine. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, and to come to think about it now, he probably, like, rubbed those toys all over himself and everything. And so, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was about right. Yeah, your yeah. place were way more sketchier than mine oh yeah it was it, it's so uh, random too it was like in you know back then no one, i guess i didn't really think about it but i guess now today if i saw a gas station slash convenience store slash toy store uh, <laughs> it, was, it would raise some raise some concerns for me yeah yeah man but in the 80s like late 80s early 90s man like whatever <laughs> oh yeah exactly you and bad night uh, I mean, I would walk probably, I don't know, a good solid three to four miles just to get to that convenience store, just to <laughs> get a soda and see what, you know, cheap toys were available and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. He reminds me of, the like, the old man on Family Guy, like the old neighbor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy was, yeah, yeah. wasn't too weird. Normal. Like, I, would, I mean, from what I remember as a kid, it seemed like a normal guy. It wasn't anything sketchy about him that would, like, raise yeah. – Red flags, but man, he he concealed it well. Yeah. Wild. So, wow. but oh man, crazy times, and we're still living in crazy times. Yeah. Did you um did you get a chance to watch that video I shared with you about Bruce Arena? Yes, I did. All right, that's a that to me like, dude, Bruce Arena is like he is just looking for attention. I swear to God. He was, like, kind of talking in circles with it. Which is, yes. You know what I mean? It was just, like, uh, yeah. It, like, I expected him to either be, like, one way with it or another. But he kept, like, kind of almost, like, not kind of contradicting himself. And it was, like, I don't know. So, by the end of it, I didn't actually know 
exactly where he stood. I mean, yeah. kind of, but yeah, it was thought to me. So for those of you guys that are listening, and basically earlier this week, or it was last weekend, um, Bruce Arena was on ESPN and <laughs> made this bogus claim how he doesn't understand why we still have the national anthem playing at sporting events. He says he's the most patriotic person in the world, but that we should stop playing the national anthem at the you know at sporting events that it's it it doesn't serve its purpose anymore. And you know, little backstory, he was kind of you know on the right point. So the national anthem playing at sporting events was during World War II to of course heighten patriotism. And so after World War II, the continuation of the national anthem was played because you had a lot of professional athletes uh, you know that served so it was honor of recognizing them. Then we go straight into the Korean War and then unfortunately the Vietnam War right after that, but it's just been a time honor tradition. And um, and so it was kind of funny to hear the, well, now he's the former coach, but the two-time USA Nationals coach <laughs> saying, we don't need to hear the national anthem. Dude, Jurgen Klinsmann just became more patriotic than Bruce Arena, and Jurgen Klinsmann <laughs> is German, I swear to God. I, so... Yeah, I, I was very confused at first because then he went back and said, like, well, no, for national, for, like, national, yeah. it's fine, it makes sense, but just not within the United States. And so, but, okay, so here's the thing. So, all right. So, I, I think what he was, I understand to a degree on what he was getting at, I guess. Yeah, I do so, too, but it so came off he, way off. He, right, and so... You know, he was talking about, like, with Colin Kaepernick and other guys, like, when they, like, he said, like, I agree with, like, you know, kneeling and respectfully, you know, a respectful protest, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I agree with because, you know, like, like, they're taking a knee, which I think is completely fine. They're still honoring the anthem, but protesting in the same way. I think where you get kind of like the two kind of schools of thought or whatever it is you want to say is those who are protesting because, like, you know, I, like, they don't want to represent an anthem that is, like, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't promote freedom for everybody. And mm-hmm. it does, so, like, I understand from that sort of a point. I think where, um, you know, I differ from it to a degree, and Bruce Arena even said this, so he said, like, the reason why it started was out of honor to, like, the troops, especially mm-hmm. after, like, World War II, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, that's the way that I've always viewed it, is not necessarily um, toward even the country it, itself, but towards the people who fight for our country, if that yep. makes sense. Because the, I get so, you. like, for instance, for, from and, and why I'm coming from that spot is because, you know, my cousin was fought in Iraq and was killed in Iraq. And I even remember like the last letter that he wrote me before he uh, was killed. He even said like that, like this is not worth fighting. Like we should not be fighting for this. Like we should. And so that just, you know, I think sometimes like there's a difference between honoring troops and honoring the in the country. I think those are two kind of different areas. Right. Because like, right. I don't feel as a, like the, the troops are not making like the like the systematic issues 
if that makes sense. But I do right. understand where people, like like I said, are, you know, like Colin Kaepernick or someone is protesting that aspect. Like, that part does completely make sense to me. So I understand that there are kind of, like, the two views of it, right? I right. understand what Bruce Arena was taught, like, which way he was going. Because it was, like, he talked about, like, you know, the troops after World War II. And then it, like, came back around to, well, no, we shouldn't do it. And then it was, like, well, for the national team, it's fine. And, like, the whole thing, I just felt like he talked in one big circle. There, I didn't see there really being an actual stand. It's just like Bruce Arena's coaching. It's going around <laughs> yeah, in one big I circle. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, no, I agree with you. Like, I, I, I take the same approach. Like, I've, you know, um, I have a lot of friends of mine from high school who served in the military. I was, you know, ROTC in high school for all four years, so... A lot of the guys that I went to high school with, most of them ended up going in the military. I, you know, went off to college and everything. Um, and so, but the respect I have and what I, you know, the four years of, I know it was high school, you know, ROTC, it's not college ROTC, but, you know, the respect I have for all the military men. I take that same approach with the, the national anthem and why I think it should still stay in, in professional sports is that it is honoring those who have fought for this country. You're taking a moment out of your your time enjoyment think about it you're, you're all these fans gathering together and enjoying a, a you know a sporting event are able to do this because of the men and women who serve this country and do that so i think bruce arena is wrong in that standpoint of getting rid of the national anthem because it is out of respect for the troops and for the the men and women who died now when it comes to colin kaepernick i take the same approach it's you know as you did is you know the one of the greatest freedoms in this country is having the freedom of speech so you know, you have the right to protest, and I understand why he's protesting, and I see it. It, it took me a little while, and it took, it, I had to do my research, and of course, and everything, because it, at first it didn't make a lot of sense, but I understand where he's coming from. Um, and his original protest, when he just sat on the bench, that I didn't agree with, but then um, I, uh, when he, uh, I forgot, it was his teammate, and then... Um, and then a serviceman who got in contact with him and talked about and and doing a kneeling, you know, it 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 reflects it's a reflection off of uh, servicemen kneeling at the gravestone of the, you know, fall when they go visit the the gravestones of their, you know, um, men that they served with or women that yeah. they served with that died in combat. So I get that and I'm okay with that. And you know, but for Bruce Arena to 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 be the you know he's the most winningest coach in the, for the national team and stuff. And to represent us soccer like that and say, we don't right. need a national anthem. I mean, to me, that's a, that's in poor form. I get, I, I kind of understand because he, he, you know, he was basically trying to argue that the original purpose of it was to honor the soldiers from world war two. And, you know, I guess he was trying to say, we don't do that anymore, but I, I mean, when I go to a NASCAR race here in Charlotte on Memorial Day weekend, they have servicemen come out and hold the, you know, the flag out, you know, the, the flybys of the servicemen, you know, right. do, you know, flying in the jet. So that to me, you know, it may not be at every single sporting event where they have servicemen out on the field honoring them, but that's the purpose of it. That's the reason why sure. we do the national anthem. So, yeah, I, I just could not believe, like, I, I've never really been a big fan of Bruce Arena uh, in and I still do not understand why he was hired to replace Jurgen Klinsmann. I mean, listen, not saying the national team would have went to the World Cup, but Jesus Christ, I mean, he could have just kept Jurgen in the spot and let him finish out the, you know, the term. But I mean, they were they they were completely reactive. 
That's all. Oh, it was. Yeah. They were reactive. They needed a, what they thought would be a quick fix. So they go back to Bruce Arena because he's, you know, Mr. MLS. But then at the same time, like, you know, had his good uh, stint in, you know, especially 2002. Uh, but, you know, the game the game has changed. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, I and it's just a different level. Um, yeah, but I just, you know, yeah, I, I didn't understand where he was going, per se, with his statement. And like I said, I, um, you know, um, like I said, I, I that's where kind of my stance, but I also completely understand, you know, why people are, like, protesting it as well. Like, I understand that, and I don't, yeah. like, blame them for that either. Um, don't under- yeah, I just don't understand what Arena was getting at. It's like he... It's like he said it and then was trying to backtrack and like make up his mind about what exactly it was he wanted. Right, exactly. I still don't get it. But um, let's move it into to actual real soccer, not the Bruce Arena soccer that we're accustomed to. <laughs> uh, did you get a chance to watch any of the Premier League soccer matches? Oh, no? yeah. I've, pr- I've, I've seen pretty much all of them. Yep. Yeah. What did you think about it with no fans and kind of just the... I think we kind of nailed it last week. It was like like half, 75% full play to me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you saw that with all the teams. And I, I knew there'd be some of that too, honestly, with, with people coming back. And, mm-hmm. I mean, people haven't played in three months, you know? Um, like, I don't think any of the teams looked amazingly sharp i know city probably appeared to be but that's also because arsenal made them look sharp let's get yeah that's mm-hmm. right but um yeah you know and it's kind of what i thought it would be it like the level that they're at right now kind of looks like when a lot of the teams do those summer like prep tournaments you know right yep um and and so like i said i think it was you know i, I mean it's good to have it back but i think I think not playing for three months and then obviously you know, not having the crowd there makes a huge difference. You know, what raising people's games, yeah. lowering people's games. I mean, you know, and I think we've, you know, I think we've seen, I mean, you know, it hasn't been bad or anything like that. There's been some, you know, entertaining, really entertaining matches. Um, you know who but, was still informed, though? Jose Mourinho's press conference after uh, the game or after the match. That yeah. guy has been waiting to talk to the media now for like three months. He was, My he gosh. had a prepared speech about Harry Kane. Uh, the guy, he is so in love with himself. I swear to God. He I, is, well, I think he prepares more for that than he does actual matches. Without a doubt, man. Like, without a doubt. You know, he, he's, he is going to ruin Harry Kane. You understand this, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think Harry Kane's gone after this season. How many times did Kane touch the ball against United? Seriously. Not much. Because here's the thing, like Mourinho does, he parks the he parks the bus and plays a very, very slow buildup. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kane as a target man works with pace. Yep. Right. So the ball at his feet. But they're either like chipping it up and over or like the buildup is so slow that he's already up to like the back line of the next defense and right. like, it, it just it is not it is not Kane's game and, and yeah he, he thrived Kerry Kane thrived under like Pochettino style which is very fast paced and a, if you go back and look at it, a lot of Harry Kane's goals are not 
I wouldn't call it luck, but he just at the right place at the right time because of the fat, how fast it moves and a lot of deflections, you know, come right to him and stuff. And he's got a great, you know, strike that he can get it in the back of the net. But yeah, he's not the style of Mourinho where it's that that buildup, like you said, where it's methodical and you got to be able to play with it uh, and, you know, move around and just no, it's he's gone after this season. I, I what are those four now? Four matches left. I think these are the last four matches of, of Harry yeah. Kane and a Tottenham's jersey, and then he's moving on. Yeah, but Mourinho yeah. was trying to like list off like all the strikers that have played for him and how many goals he they've had under him and how well they are. And so Harry Kane shouldn't you know shouldn't leave and everything. Ah, listen. You know, he's had some great players for him under his, you know, his management. But Jesus, it's not because of his management. I mean, when you have Zlatan, you know, playing for you, that guy is just a freak of nature himself. There's no, there's no coaching Zlatan. And, you know, what was I, it? I mean, all, but all he talks about, though, is things that he's done, which I'm not saying to not give the man credit for what he has done. Absolutely. But at the same time, like, I mean, since his second stint at Chelsea, he hasn't really been that successful. Nope. No, he wasn't successful at United. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, he, you know, United got two trophies under him, but not like amazing trophies. Well, I mean, Europa was okay, but still though, like, you know, it just, here's the thing is that, but oh, I will say this and you probably will agree that that United team that won the Europa League definitely underperformed in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was because of the style of play. Because here's the thing. Because the game is constantly changing, mm-hmm. tactics have to change. Right? right. And that is where Mourinho struggles because – he wants to continue his way. And at one time, his way was extremely, extremely successful. Mm-hmm. But he got, like, I, I mean, I mean, look at it, right? He played the same way his second sentence Chelsea as he did at United and as he's doing at Spurs. It's yep. the same exact. You look at formations, you look at the very slow buildup. You look, I mean, so when he was in his. You know, in his heyday, especially with like Inter Milan, and um, you know what you really had was his, you know, his first stint with Chelsea. Um, mm. You know, you he had some some obviously great players, and the possession buildup, you know, worked. Um, but now you see a lot of teams that they've shifted to, you know, predominantly like a four three three or some variation of that. Right, it, it's a lot more attacking minded. And so when you play this very slow, slow buildup against a highly attacking team, like the other teams coming at you full force, you know, scoring goals, and then it's like this very slow buildup again. And it's just, you know, they could have the most possession, but my gosh, it is boring to watch. Right. So like Mourinho is still living in the 90s when soccer was a methodical sport. It was very slow. Like you could, you could look at the difference in athletes, you know, and where you start to see the like Ronaldo, the Cristiano Ronaldo, and you know the the evolution of Beckham from the '90s to early 2000s, and then um, uh, you know some of the other you know faster players. Uh, 
oh god, dropping, I'm forgetting names, but like it was either the, the game has evolved to now it is just freak athletes everywhere. You, you it used to be you know strikers were your freak athletes, and then your backline, your defensive guys were you know bigger, bulkier guys who were not as fast. But it seems like everyone now on the field can run a you know a four three forty in no time and stuff, and you know running up and down the field is with ease. And so Mourinho's still living in that. 90s mentality where it, you could pass the ball with these there wasn't any of this you know intercepting and and crossing lanes or anything like that and yeah it's just it's i i, I would be shocked if Mourinho lasts I, I i'm pretty sure the time is going to give him one more season because of yeah covid and stuff like you know everything yeah. that's going on with coronavirus but i would be shocked if he lasts one more season after this yeah i agree i, th- I think it'll give him another year and then yeah. kind of go from there I think Solskjaer's got one more year left too. Um, yeah, Solskjaer's on the. I think Solskjaer's got a little bit more leniency um, with it. Like if, if say United finish second or third, you know, next year he still still have his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, we, we, um, United, United need. Uh, they. They need someone on the right, and I think hopefully they'll get that out of Sancho, which I think um, would be outstanding. Um, I'm really actually interested to see how Pogba and Bruno Fernandes play together consistently. Yeah, it's going to be... Um, and yeah. then our struggle is still... A, a, so Harry Maguire should not be making the mistakes that he's making. And then on top of that, um, it, Dean Henderson, who's on loan at, at Sheffield, who has just been outstanding this season, like he needs to be recalled next season and start because uh, David De Gea for two years now is making ridiculous statement like mistakes that should not be made at at his level. They just they shouldn't like near yeah. stick, nutmeg, batting in it. Like it's just he's too inconsistent. And there's no reason why he should be. Yeah, I think that this is the last, uh, like, it, it almost, you know, what was it, like, three or four years ago, De Gea wanted out and go to Real Madrid, and it was like, no, yeah. you can't get rid of him, you can't get rid of him. It almost seems like now, like, damn, that, that was the window of opportunity to really get a good return on him. But, right. you know, damn, if you do, damn, if you don't in that situation. Uh, now the return on De Gea is not going to be anywhere as good uh, because of, it's just age and you know he's just it's yeah. starting to slip up a little bit and those little tiny mistakes is starting to really build up you know so. i mean i think what you'll eventually see is i think next season that you know we'll bring dean henderson back from loan and there'll actually be some good competition because i think that's part yep. of it um i mean i really like sergio ramiro actually but i i just i don't think De Gea has competition really so you know and that's why you're kind of seeing what you are I mean, um, what he's been the so think, four like four years in a row the best player on the t- voted in as the best player on the team or stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you know, I think that plays a part in it as well. Um, but you know, I think Henderson comes back next season and really challenges him for that starting spot. And then after that, I think you could probably see him go to like a you know like a I don't even know like a you know West Ham or Cardiff or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that, but the just what you could have got, what United could have gotten in return, from yeah, three years ago. The only thing, Madrid. Yeah, 
Right. The only thing is, though, is like at that time, I don't feel like there were any any goalkeepers that could have taken over. For right. No, time. I get you. You know, Without, what I know. Mean? I agree. Or like it was one of those things like that was your best opportunity to get the best return on investment. But at the same time, you're not going to get a goalkeeper that's going to match his his quality then. You know, right. So you, you would have gotten maybe another striker, you know, maybe another midfielder, you know, um, but you goalkeeper, which is, you know, probably the most important um, position on the on the team you know you, you, yeah. get, you can't give that one up you know so i get it absolutely um baseball okay so what the hell's going on with baseball right now you think that we're gonna have a baseball season so uh just recently like 10 15 minutes ago the the, com- the owners let the commissioner say screw it just tell us when it uh to show up so it seems like the commissioner is gonna make some sort of type of uh, like judgment and come up with it but what the hell every other sport has been able to get out of this damn covid or at least try to return from coronavirus and baseball is all hocked up on money what's your take on it i don't i don't know because it just seems to be coming like much more rampant 1994 all over community seriously right and so um i i guess i'm just a little bit curious on like what their measures are because I feel like for a lot of different um, teams there's been like basic measures like I think we talked about last time how the NBA is you know like when you get there you're like tested right away and then you quarantine yourself for two days regardless you know so there's a very like systematic thing put in place Um, obviously for I mean Premier League I know it's overseas but um, you know you're even finding that with uh, even golf right now, right? Like um, mm-hmm. there's supposed to be that uh, um, the tournament um, in Hilton Head, and there you know someone uh, tested positive because they said like the island is super packed and like no one's following protocol and all that. So you know they're a little leery of that. But I just feel like with baseball we just keep hearing like all these numbers like especially within the baseball community for some reason dude when i hear the owners and players arguing over 60 games or 70 games it blows (laughs) my mind like yeah i understand it's the principle of money that you were promised a certain paycheck and you want to get as much money out of it as but it's 10 freaking games we can make it up some other way do it, you know, do charity events, do whatever. But holy shit, like every other sport was able to figure it out. And here is baseball right. once again showing that money rules all and yeah. taking over. And, and it, it's just ridiculous. Like the NBA, there's still doubts, you know, some doubts that it might start up because, you know, right. of course it's being hosted. It's going to be in Florida at the Walt Disney World Resort. You know, coronavirus is you know, going rampant right now through through Florida. Some of the players are talking about not playing because they want to focus on this, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter movement and so forth. I get it. Uh, I'm good. So if the NBA says, look, we can't do it, at least, you know, they tried. They they came to an agreement. They're just, right. You know, the, but the freaking MLB, the, like the players and the owners, they don't get it. Like I just it, – it boggles my mind how this one sport alone can be the end-all, be-all – that always goes back to money, and that's it. It's 1994 all over again. 
There's and, too much money and there's so much money. It's ridiculous. Right. And so if if the NBA doesn't have a season, you're still going to have fans whenever the season picks back up, whether it's in November or next year, you know, when the new season right. picks off. If MLB does not have a, a season, I don't give it. If it's 20 game season or whatever, if they don't have a season, they're going to lose so many fans out of this. They're, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, you can't recover from this. The like, no. they they're gonna have to give baseball players steroids again and go back to the 1998 <laughs> season with Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sosa, yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. and so forth. Griffey didn't take steroids, no, but, but. Uh, yeah, but I can't believe that we're still. It is June. What day is today? I'm, I've lost track. June 22nd, and we still do not have an agreement on how baseball can come back together. And they've been discussing this since mid-March. Jeez. <laughs> it, it's like it's like one of my, like, my mom fighting with her aunts and uncles, or my aunts and uncles and stuff, being a Cuban family. They yell at each other, and then they don't talk to each other for, like, three weeks. And then they come back together, and they're all hunky-dory, loving each other. <laughs> and then they go right back into a fight, and then, boom, they're – you know, well, I'm not talking to this. This is usual, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It's high school drama. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's gonna come, man. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be good because they can't figure anything out. Oh man, it's 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 the craziest thing. All right, last story. Okay. Did you hear the news? Oh, you, you yeah, you did because you sent me the. <laughs> what am I talking about? You sent me the text. <laughs> Michael Keaton could possibly be coming back as Batman for the Flashpoint movie. What are your thoughts on that? Like, if I was, like, leery at all about seeing Flashpoint, which, like, I mean, I'd see it, but I wasn't like, oh, you know. But, like, this, I I love Michael Keaton as Batman. Um, And, like... Michael Keaton's still like kicking butt now, right? I mean, like when mm-hmm. he was Birdman, and then Vulture, and, um, you know, Vulture. I mean, like, still just kicking butt. And like when I saw that, I was like, no freaking way. Like, I think it, I think it would be cool. Like, I'm curious as to like what they're gonna do because I thought in the article it didn't say. I just kind of skimmed it, but I thought in the article it said that it is going to like be connected to like mm-hmm. Batman and Batman Returns, right? No? So, I think what when we saw the the whole like it, it's supposed to connect to Batman and Batman Returns. Uh, and I think basically the the whole like motivation for this was how well received the um Arrowverse did with the you know when uh, Grant Gustin oh, yeah. Flash went back, you know, and and then you had Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin made that, you know, that little cameo appearance for yeah. two minutes and stuff that everybody loved it. Now it's like, oh, well, if everybody likes that, then screw it. We don't have to explain anything of how any of this shit's connected. We'll just say they're all different multiverses and let Ezra Miller just go travel throughout, a, you know. So right. if that is the truth, if they do pull this off, it will be, I think to me, the, the it's not going to be the greatest thing. Ever. I don't think it's going to be like <laughs> Avengers Endgame, but right. it's going to be pretty slick how like everything fell together, you know, and all. if they can get Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer and George Clooney, I'm in. Yeah. You know? Dude, seriously. 
Because they already did Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne in the Arrowverse, and that's all right. connected. So Kevin Conroy's Batman's still good, you know, in there. So they're just that's all they need is just put Michael Keaton, just have George Clooney just walk in the background in some scene, Val Kilmer, you know, just be a part of it somehow, some way, and that would be ultimate. And then Yeah. So like yeah. Is that- uh, yeah, I mean, some of the names that they were mentioning on there, I just, I, that'd be so cool, man. I would love to see that. And just, you know, like I said, because Keaton's awesome and he was awesome as Batman. When I when I saw that, I was like, no freaking way. That'd be awesome. And then, so I'm assuming that Flash, that it's supposed to pretty much just change the, um, change the timeline to get it to, you know, whatever it is they want, right? <laughs> Yeah, so um, here's my thought. So you you don't have Ben Affleck's Batman anymore. Um, Henry Henry Cavill is supposedly gonna make a cameo in either Shazam or Flashpoint. I think it's I, if Warner Brothers lets Henry Cavill go, I think that's a big mistake. I think he's like a perfect Superman. I know? agree. Um. So, but I think it's just to to really just mess with people's minds and just let Ezra Miller go to different universes and see, you know, all the different Batmans or, or you know, this Batman. Because the news yesterday was Jeffrey D. Morgan is is in talks to reprise his role as Thomas Wayne because he yeah. was Thomas Wayne in, uh, in Batman v Superman. Um, and so he's supposed to, he's, you know, when with uh, Flashpoint, you know, in the alternate universe, he ends up living and Bruce dies, but Martha ends up becoming the Joker and so forth. So, I mean, um, oh, there's a lot of alert. cool stuff. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, all right. Oh, there's a lot sorry. of cool stuff they could do. Yeah, <laughs> there I really mean, is. but to throw Michael Keaton's Batman in there, why not? Oh my God. I, I mean, if you can pay him the money, and even if it's just one day's worth of work coming in and stuff, yeah. oh yeah, it, and I mean. The thing- and and get here's the thing though is like you know get the old suit like don't make a new one. Oh like, yeah get yeah the no, old get the suit. old one without a doubt get the old suit yes and where he can't even turn his neck can't even know, like, right like he had a karate shop people and stuff to I, I still remember in Batman eighty nine when um like Joker's in the helicopter outside of Access Chemicals mm-hmm. and he goes to like look up and literally has to like. Bend his back. Arch his back. Yeah, like nope. bend his back completely back that way to look up. Did you know this is a little trivia here? Um, that like so there were different people in the back costume for like um, uh, for different like action scenes. Clearly, um, mm-hmm. you know, like martial artists and I forget what a couple other ones were, but one was actually a like a belly dancer for when he would like the way that he would like turn and like whip his cape around or like, it was like a professional dancer who like was just very rhythmic. So that's why how they made it look so smooth with this like 80 something pound costume. Yeah. Shit. I mean, there you go. they could have just hired Adam West since he did the bat dance. And you know, oh, gosh. Yeah. Right. That's his cameo. Yep. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be, it'd be so cool though. I hope it happens. I, I like, I think for any, here's the thing clearly you have people and i'm not saying you know they're they're you know like rightfully so like haters and doubters for um you know dc universe which like i said i get um but i seriously think you put michael keaton in the film as batman 
you will get people to come to see like just for that. Oh, without a doubt, you will. Yeah. Um, you, you, you'll get all the older uh, adults coming to see him. Yep. If you say yep. there's five minutes of Michael Keaton in the old Batman suit, you've got, let's say, my dad's, what, 65? you got that eight, that demographic right there going to go uh, see him. Just to yep. get a quick glimpse of, you know, Michael Keaton. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. And just to see, like, how it even plays in there. Yeah, nostalgia will do that, man. I mean, that's why the I think the, you know, um, the CW event, uh, you know, it was so popular just because of all of those different things. Like people were tuning in. Oh, just for the C- uh, for the Smallville actors, Jesus! Oh, I didn't right. know just Smallville actors there were, and, and how many fans of that show there was. Holy smokes! Right. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool just to like. And I think even for just a, just a little glimpse of that, like you didn't know how long people were going to be in there or who was going to be in there. You know what I mean? It was like even some of them that would have been quote unquote like relatively smaller characters, like. The guy, I forget his name off the top of my head, but who played Alexander Knox in Batman 89. Like, oh, yeah. You know, you saw, you saw him for a split second, but it was so cool seeing it. You know, it's just, it's neat to see that. What was his name? Uh, uh, God, it was a, uh, a show after him. What was it called? I forgot. It was an HBO show. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. But, yeah, that's uh, going to bother me. Yeah, I'll look it up later. Um, no, I mean, I think that if you can connect it all together, heck, that would be freaking amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only concern I have about it is that traditionally when you go this route and you have, like, so the cameos were cool in the, in the Arrowverse, you know, crossover event. But to me, I think that that was, like, the big, like, focal point and not enough on the story. Like, I wish the, you know, I wish that whole crossover event had been, like, 10 episodes, you know, to really flesh out the story because I thought so many things got, you know, just chopped and left behind. Like, Oliver's death was really, like, in the second episode was, you know, nowhere near dramatic as it needed, like, it could have been, you know. I mean, it was like, wait a minute, he died? That's it? More (laughs) Oliver? Like, what? And Oh wait, but here's a guy from Smallville that just happens to be here, and so yeah, I think that it, my concern is is that I, I'm okay with Michael Keaton being in it, but if if too many if they try to do it and try to flood it with too many cameo appearances and and right. trying to connecting all, then you're gonna lose the focal point of this of this movie because I think if they do go the traditional Flashpoint way with Thomas Wayne and that style of Batman being like the version of Deathstroke, I guess, or whatever, we're using yeah, guns yeah. and all. You know, that's going to be close to a, a rated R movie. Um, sure. And I hope they it, it keeps it that way. I like, I could see like Flash, you know, movies and or at least this Flashpoint movie being a almost a Deadpool esque style movie where you could go rated R and people will still go and see it. Um, yeah. But. You know, it's all Warner Brothers. Are they trying to sell toys? Are they trying to sell, you know, um, movie tickets? Well, and that's the thing that they have to eventually figure out. And I think, <clears throat> I think that's what's hurt the DCEU all along is like they they just never found like their I- identity, right? Like first yeah. they wanted to be like dark, but then they wanted to be funny, and it's just like you like you need to pick one and go with it, right? You know, and I mean personally, I think if they would have kept it, <clears throat> excuse me, kept it dark, but just change some of the things like, you know, Batman killing, like, you know, he doesn't kill clearly, 
And then, like, Superman, like, just maybe not quite as, like, you know, docile, like, make some more kind of subtle changes. You know, do, do some of those things that are very subtle but can still keep the overall tone um, and not just kind of hop back and forth because then, you know, I think that's what made them lose their identity in the first place. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see this Zack Snyder Justice League cut um, because yeah. that's where you're really going to see how much Warner Brothers really interfered with uh, – oh, yeah with the, the studios because so I don't know if you've ever seen the um the ultimate edition of Batman vs Superman uh yeah it's like it's like three and a half hours long but uh, so so worth it so worth it right if you watch it it's really a good movie not the greatest not you know it's not Oscar worthy and it's not I it wouldn't makes even a lot it. more sense it does it, it, the story comes like full circle and it's it, it you know and so uh, what I wonder is, is that, you know, because let's see. So Man of Steel had was supposed to have a extended cut to it. Never got to it um, me, because Zack Snyder went straight into working on Batman vs. Superman. You get Batman vs. Superman. You see the theatrical cut versus the uh, extended edition, the extended edition, Zack Snyder's version. Most people agree that have seen it saying, yeah, it's not bad. It's actually, you know, pretty good. Not, you know, oh my gosh, you know, earth shattering, right. but they, they like it. If the, if the Snyder cut comes out and it is 10 times better than the Justice League cut. Now, I understand the situation where Zack Snyder's, um, you know, was his son committed suicide and everything. So he had to step away and then it became an issue and like finishing the movie. Um, but if you see a, a totally different movie and it's and Zack Snyder's better, I think you got to give credit to Zack Snyder and say, let him, you know, finish out his story. I know that Ben Affleck's done as, as Batman, but if there's a possibility that Zack Snyder can do another type of, you know, Superman movie and, and so forth, then let him do it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, yeah. That, that was the thing with the, like they said, the, you know, extended cut or the ultimate cut or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, I remember, like, for instance, it would have helped it in the long run, box office wise, I think, because, you know, I think they wanted to cut it because they thought, you know, it pushed fans away with the length. But I think it actually, they did more damage with some of the cuts, because I remember mm -hmm. one of the biggest gripes was how when Superman was in the courtroom and, um, you know, there was the explosion, like, how would he not have seen the bomb? Like he's, you know, right. See through exactly. anything. Well, then you find out what the wheelchair is lined with and you know that he can't see it. Like, you know why he didn't see it. And so that would have taken away one of the, one of the major like criticisms of it. Oh, that um, like baffles me that some executive or like somebody above Zack Snyder said, yeah, we can do it without the scene right here and cut it out. Like, Right. Did we watch the same movie? Did you? Right. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But. The, the the main gripe that I had with that movie, and it's gonna sound really super petty, was that like for whatever I really wanted Doomsday to have like the like the sweet ponytail thing and all. That. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. I just wanted yeah. him to look a little bit more like Doomsday. More like a comic book. Yep. Look oh, like. Yeah. yeah. I was just. You know, when I saw that Doomsday was in it, I thought it was like, I, to me, I thought, well, it's kind of rushed because I was expecting, you know, one like this, maybe one more Superman movie and then introduce Doomsday. Uh, but no, yeah. 
but yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think they they almost got it right, but they missed out on a couple details to make it yeah really feel like I didn't like the whole like like the Colossus move from the old classic X Men arcade game when he would get pissed and do that <laughs> and you would see like yeah. this bubble form up like that. I was like, yeah. no, you got to get rid of that. Just let him be just indestructible, badass, you know, monster or whatever. Right. But you know, it's yeah. I mean, there was like like I said, it's a good movie when you watch the ultimate you know cut on it. Um, not the greatest movie of all time. Nowhere near comparison of like the in- in Avengers: Infinity War. You know, even some of the other single Marvel films like Civil War. You know, or Winter Soldier, or anything like that. But it's it hangs in the middle, and it's okay. It's not you know horrible. I think you know the editing was what killed that movie. So Justice League, it was the same thing. You could tell it was it was a hodgepodge put together. You know, you had some, you know, Zack Snyder-esque type scenes and then, you know, some other scenes that were just kind of put together at last minute and just didn't work out whatsoever. So it's going to be interesting to see the Snyder cut. I'm looking forward to Flashpoint if they can pull this off because this movie has been in the works now, what, five years, I think? Um, yeah. Yeah. So if they can pull that off. I mean... Yeah, I mean they have a well at this time a projected release date, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, projected release date. So yeah, there's some bombshells I dropped with that saying, yeah, we won't be seeing a Star Wars movie until 2024. So and we'll see oh. Flashpoint and stuff. So dude, COVID's just killing everything. You know, there's no yeah executives just don't don't trust the the market right now. You you put a, a movie out like. Uh, all power to Christopher Nolan and and uh, what's this? Is it? I think it's Warner Brothers with Tenant and stuff. But man, yes. even though with all the AMC theaters and everything reopening, people are still scared to go back to the movie theaters. So yeah, yeah, and that's why you know it's kind of like you said. I think people would like, dude, invest in some drive-ins, man, because oh my gosh, million dollars. I, I mean, think about it. Would you like <laughs> if you want if if it was between like, hey, you could take, you know, your kids to go see a movie, like you're not gonna take them to the theater right now, like right. you take them, you take them to the drive-in because you're in your own car, you know, like it's just like I don't know. Or even like let them fall asleep in the back and you, you know, you watch a movie while, because you know I get yeah. it, the, the driving theater where my wife's from in Ohio and stuff. I mean, shoot, it doesn't get dark there till like almost nine o'clock. So the movie's starting and kids are like oh, in their right, pajamas yeah. and stuff. So they only make it like 15 minutes into the film. So, right. And they always, uh, the one that she has by her uh, old house is a double uh, double header. So you get two oh, movies awesome. for the price of one. It's awesome. Heck yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, the, um, what's the, the most, um, drive-in movie theater that i can remember the most or the movie that like i remember the most was going to see dick tracy in the movie theater oh my gosh you went you oh, saw yeah. the drive-in like in the drive-in oh yeah. yeah and we were the only ones there i'm not even joking are you serious yeah it was just like the time that we went or something but it was pretty yeah it was pretty funny but yeah we were legit the only ones there dude so I've been in a movie theater by myself watching it. I can only imagine being in a drive-in theater in a field <laughs> all by yourself. Like, geez. oh yeah, That's oh awesome. yeah, it was good stuff though. Uh-huh. All right, well that puts us in an hour. Good uh, stopping point here. I think we've covered 
most of the, the, the big discussion topics, you know. Um, anytime you can sn- get a good Bruce Arena story in, you know, it's a good day. Oh, I- man. <laughs> he, he's awful. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, I've never liked him. I also don't like his, like, reliance on MLS players. Oh, it my just, God. Like, no. I mean, it's clearly proved to be, you know, a downfall for him. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, well, that's it for us this week. Uh, we'll do this again all right, man. next week. Yep, sounds good. Tell all the ladies we say hey. Will do. All right, see ya. All right, see ya.